last week, I went to this event broke. Today, Jared's going to take us through the final step and engage. Well, good morning. I'm Jared, as he said, the uh, communications and outreach pastor here at the church. Uh, and it's an honor to, to be able to get up and speak. Uh, I get to do that every, every so often, and uh, it's, it's fun to be able to stand up in front of you guys and, and share uh, from the Bible. Um, this morning, um, I don't know how many of you guys fly regularly. Um, I don't get to fly a ton, but just enough that I'm always intrigued when there's a story that comes up. But in 2014, uh, there was a flight that was leaving Midway Chicago, uh, headed for Branson, and it landed at the wrong airport. And I don't know if you guys are like me, if you were to touch down and you realize we're not where we're supposed to be. And it makes you wonder, how does this happen? And John, I'm glad you were here so you could fact check me afterwards. Um, I wanted to make sure I got all my details right. But I, it, I read that and I thought, how, how do you land at the wrong airport with all of our modern technology? And even more fascinating was the first quote from the pilot was, I'm assuming I'm at the wrong airport was the first words when he landed. Not mid-land, it was after he landed, I'm at the wrong airport. And I have to be thinking, what's going through his head? And, and as I interviewed him, he said, you know, we did all of our checks, we did all of our stuff, but once we put autopilot on, once we just kind of let it do its thing, and when we got there and it kind of dinged and we're, we're there, we're good to go, that looks like the airport, that looks like where we need to land, it's set up the exact same way. Seven miles difference, but they landed uh, in Hollister instead of Branson. And so the next day then they were able to land. But for many of us, like that pilot, we have a plan, we have a purpose. We know where we think we need to go. We even think we know how to get there. But for far too many, we just kind of go on autopilot. And, and what I want to look at today is how do we get away from landing at that wrong airport and realizing, oh no. I did all the steps, I did all the stuff, but I missed a few things along the way. You know, as Cody said, we've, we're in a four-part series. This is part four of the next steps. There's four steps that we believe uh, as, as a church that if each one of you guys will take these steps, we believe you'll find purpose and, and engagement in life. The last one, as I look at today, is that we want you to be people who engage. We want you to be people who serve, who volunteer uh, in our culture, in our church, in our community. We really want you to be people who not only just attend church, not only find friendship and community in church, not only just read your Bible and have a relationship with Christ, but then we go out, we engage. And, you know, the exciting part is, as I look at numbers, one of the things I get to do is work with volunteers. Our church, usually they call it the, the 80-20 rule. So there's 80% of the uh, people that just kind of do, and there's 20% that, that then actually do all the work behind the scenes, all the giving behind the scenes, all the work. Our church, over 60% of our church serves on a monthly basis. Like we're doing phenomenal on a sense of serving, in the sense of, of, of people that are in the church, in the community, doing stuff. So for you guys, that's, that's amazing. What, what we're doing in this community, over 60% of you guys, we have the highest number of people that are serving in our children's and our student ministry, highest number of people that have gone on missions trips. I mean, the, the numbers are amazing. And so this isn't one of those sermons where, as each one of us talked about our steps, it was like, well, you guys need to do this, you need to do that. What I'm looking at is the, the, the numbers are showing that there is some phenomenal participation. But what I want to look at is just like the pilot, there's a phenomenal amount of participation on his part. He landed, 
but it wasn't where he wanted to. And so as we encourage you guys to serve, as we encourage you guys to go out, what I want to look at is how do we get to that point where we realize that we're continually kind of calibrating as that pilot was looking at his GPS and just saying, well, I mean, it tells me where I need to go. I'm good to go. But he wasn't, he said, you know, in his, his report, there was a lot of little, little things that led up to, oops, wrong airport. And so as we go through life, what I want to look at is a lot of those little, little things that we can say, man, I'm, I'm living on purpose. And as I continue to calibrate, as I continue to center my life, I know I'm on purpose. Um, and so as I was preparing for this lesson, one of the things that I was intrigued about was the amount of times in Scripture where there were people that had an interaction with God, and it left them saying, Lord, here I am. How do you want to use me? Lord, here I am. How do you want to use me? And one of the ones that I landed on was Isaiah. So if you guys have a Bible, turn to Isaiah 6. We're going to look at verses 1 through 8. And we're going to look at what we can learn from Isaiah. Because as I said, most of you guys, if we look at the statistics of a church, you're serving, you're engaged, you're volunteering. And our community is better because of the amount of lives that are being influenced by it, the amount of marriages that are being saved, the amount of kids that are... Um, being helped out with food, the teachers that are being loved on. But as we see here, we're going to learn from Isaiah, most of us have a good heart. We want to do stuff. And then it's looking at, okay, how do we sustain that? And so to give a little history to this, Isaiah was a prophet for the Lord. And if you read his whole story, he was one of the most peculiar and had the like short straw of being a prophet. There's nothing that really competes with him, maybe outside of Job. Uh, and he, his character must have been beyond, uh, beyond any scale, his, his desire to follow what God had to say. <clears throat> but what we'll see here is they had had years of good uh, king over, over the country. They had many years of prosperity. And, and then things are going to turn south. And, and we'll pick it up there in verse, or in verse 1 of chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died... I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and two he covered his feet, and two he flew. And one called to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of the people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King and the Lord of hosts. The one whom the seraphim flew, having in his hands a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my lips and said, behold, this is the touch of your lips. Your guilt is taken away, your sins are atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Whom shall go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go and say this to the people. Keep on hearing, but do not deceive. Keep on seeing, but do not, uh, do not uh, perceive. So I'm going to stop there. He, he has the whole commission from the Lord as, as you go through there. But what we see here is Isaiah, he, as the king has had years of prosperity, the king has, has set up for 52 years, things have been going really well. And then the king dies. And what we see there is Isaiah, as soon as the king dies, and as soon as he realized, man, things are going to change, if you notice, where does he go? He goes to the temple. You know, a couple weeks back when we got to hear about the step of attend, we kind of laughed it off. We're all here. We're good. But I want you guys to think, when, when the floor drops out, when things don't go well, 
where do you go? We see here with, with Isaiah, when, when things weren't good, he went to the temple. And for many of us, you know, we'll scroll through, we'll look for that, that uh, feed on, on Facebook, or we'll look for a story or something of that sort, and we'll say, okay, what, how does this pertain to where I'm at? You know, I like that, I'll share that. But when it didn't work for Isaiah, he went to the temple. He sought God. And as we see that, that's, that sets up the whole framework for the rest of this, because then while he was seeking God, God showed up. We see that uh, as he was there, he was in awe of God's holiness. And so there, there's the, the vision that he had, and we can get lost in the details, and there's a grandiose to these details, but as he saw God, he had this woe is me moment. And I would challenge you guys, when was the last time that you went before God, that you spent time in the Word, and then you were in awe of who God was? Most of the time we, we get into Scripture, and it's, okay, how can I apply this for today, and how's God trying to affirm what I want to do? How, how can I this, 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 me, 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 me? And when Isaiah was in the temple, he saw God, he saw God for who he was, and his reaction was, woe is me, I am sinful. And I think these steps are important because, as I said, we, we, we want to live on purpose, and as we look at Isaiah's story, he goes to the temple, he meets God, and his reaction is, woe is me. And in that moment, he gets to see God. So for far too many of us, myself included, we just kind of skim through. I got my Bible read for the day. I did my chapter. Now on to something else. And he had that woe is me moment. The next thing that we see is that God doesn't leave them in that moment. You know, I think for far too many of us, we see a God who is holy and perfect, but we see ourselves as sinful and how could God use us? And Isaiah saw himself for who he was. He saw himself as sinful. He saw himself as I could never be used. Woe was me. Look at how perfect and holy and righteous God is. But then God forgave him. We see the symbolism of the coal touching his lip, and God says, you're forgiven. And I think many of us need to experience that, that we have been forgiven by a God who loves us if we will seek him, if we'll ask for forgiveness. We have a God who will extend that to us. But see, this is a progression here. If he, he goes to the temple, he sees his unholiness, and then he gets forgiven by God. But then this is the part then is that he then hears from God. We see there in verse 8 how he, um, God said, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? But it wasn't until these first three steps were accomplished that he heard from God. He didn't show up and God speaks to him, but he showed up and he realized who he was. He realized that God needed to forgive him. And then he heard from God. And so for many of us, what I'd like to, to look at is that we want to hear from God. We want to know our purpose. And many of us, I would say, we do know our purpose. If you're like me, I'm in the, the thick of, of fatherhood with three kids. And I know my purpose. It sits in front of me every day as the kids are doing this and doing that. And then as I try to pastor here at the church, um, there, there are all the purposes, all the roles in front of me. But as the thick of that comes, and it seems like it's at warp speed sometimes with all these things in front of me, it's the daily grind, it's the daily task of trying to center myself with God that usually falls off on the wayside, because you're just going, 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 going. But we see with Isaiah here, he went to the temple, he saw God, he saw his unholiness, he asked for forgiveness, and then God spoke to him and gave him his purpose. And so we need to look at, are we 
centering ourselves with Christ? Are we doing that on a daily basis? Because Isaiah and, and there's seven or eight other prophets that all had our, uh, folks in the Bible that had these moments where they said, Lord, here I am. They're no different than you or I. You know, sometimes we get this idea that, that they were used by God. They were holy people. They were the ones in the Bible. But each one of us can have a moment like Isaiah. Each one of us could have a moment like we saw with Abraham or with Isaac or with Jacob, all these ones that we've been going through the Genesis with. And God is saying, I have a purpose for you. And a lot of us, we know that purpose. We know our season that we're in. But then like Isaiah, we see this is how he went back and recentered himself. And I'm guessing this wasn't the first time. This wasn't the first time that he went to the temple and said, you know what, I probably should go talk to God. If you see the lot that he had, the things he went through, I doubt it was the first time that he had talked with God. And for many of us, we say, okay, I want to know my purpose. So, you know, my purpose is to go to college. My purpose is to get this job. And then we hit autopilot. And we're like, you know what? When I retire, when I'm out of college, now that I'm married, you know, it'll it'll just work itself out. We're good. You know, I just read the Bible every so often and we'll make sure we go to church and we're good. But I think we see here with Isaiah and, and just like the story with the pilot, we don't want to get to the end and realize we'd hit autopilot and we were just seven miles off, but we just, it looked familiar and we just, and so daily we must center ourselves. One of the things that, that I uh, get the honor of is if you want to volunteer here in the church, I usually get to meet with you. Uh, I get coffees and lunches and people in my office quite regularly. And, and it's one of the joys of my job because what it usually entails is somebody getting to come up to me and say, hey, I want to serve. I want to get involved. Where can I serve? What can I do? And I usually run through the gamut. My, my wife, being the children's director, is always like, make sure you say mine first. <laughs> so, you know, if you meet with me, that's always going to be the qualifier. I think you might be children. No, I never said anything about children. No, I think you'd be good with children. <laughs> and then once we've, we've canceled that out, then, you know, Cody's, you know, make sure you say something about student ministry. Uh, but it's so much fun to hear people's stories and find out where they're wired and how, they're, how God has gifted them. And there's so many different ways, whether it's in our community or whether it's in the church. And what I am always fascinated by is when you finally start to see somebody's wheels kind of turn and they say, you know what? I think I could do that. I think I'm called to do that. I think that's where God has placed me. And the ones that are the most exciting for me is where you can see that God's brought them to a point and they're ready to jump. They're ready to launch into that next thing. And more exciting usually is when it's somebody that's had a few seasons of life, and they're saying, you know what, I've done that, I've done that. Now, what's next? And I think because for many of us, there's many seasons to life. The, the older we get, we realize there's, there's this season, and there's this season, and there's this season, and, and there's transitions between those. And so one thing I would encourage you guys is as you volunteer, as you engage, realize and there's, there's seasons where you're at, and sometimes you jump to that next one. That doesn't mean you have to quit one or whatever, but man, when you're, you're parenting of small kids, that's a season. And your volunteer time is, is limited because you're raising up some godly kids. But then when that season goes on, you have more time. And so one of the couples I got to meet with were Kim and Joanne Metzger. And I got to meet with them, and they were a phenomenal couple. And, and right away, as I met with, uh, with them, uh, Joanne said, you know what, the whole children's thing, honestly, was the first thing I brought up. She's like, I could do that. I like that. But Kim, we kind of went round and round and round, and, and we continued to talk, and we continued, and, and he said, you know what, I do run an auto mechanic shop. I said, well, I mean, most of the time, some people don't want to serve with that, but he, but he said, you know, I, I really feel called to, there's something there, I think we could do something. So those wheels started spinning, and, 
And lo and behold, that has launched the, the idea of a car care ministry here at the church. And there's a, we, we made a video just to be able to have him share his testimony. I'd like you to hear and watch his progression of, you know, God working on his life and bringing it up to where it's at. And then you also see where maybe you guys can jump in as well. But go ahead and show that video. I'm Kim Metzger. I'm a local mechanic here. And I was challenged by a thought I was reading a book. He was an attorney, and he thought he had to volunteer in all sorts of different areas to do God's will. He thought, what if I use my talent, what I'm best at, what I'm gifted at, for the glory of God? It really spurred a thought in me that, you know, I always thought if I had to volunteer, it had to be in an area that wasn't my occupation. And then I started to think, what if I did what I was most talented at, and maybe this could manifest itself to something bigger, broader, stronger. Maybe, you know, there's a, an electrician that feels like, man, I, I don't know what to do, but I do this well. And I could, I could help wire, or a plumber, or maybe you can, you're a carpenter, or uh, you're a businessman. And so what if it looked like? And so I was challenged by that thought that I could use my occupation that I have all the skill set and all the training and I know the best for the kingdom. I would love to say that the car care ministry was my idea. It was actually my wife's prodding. Over years, saying, hey Kim, there's gotta be something more we can do through our business. And we've been given a gift. We've been given this uh, ability to repair cars and this facility. So what can we do with it? It just seemed that God was pointing us to this direction, this place at this time. And it all came together actually quite fluidly. And now we have the ability to do something that I feel we're challenged to do, is to not just take in, but to give back. To say, what has God given me, this steel and concrete, and how can I use it to further the kingdom? How can I love on people? And here we have a great opportunity to come alongside somebody that maybe is just struggling or just having a tough time. They need to get to work or they need to pick up their kids. And so here we can come alongside them and just literally help them go through this journey of where they're at. So who would be a good fit for the car care ministry? You know, anybody that has an ability or a willingness to serve. You don't have to be a mechanic. You don't have to know anything about cars. We would have a great opportunity to bring in somebody that doesn't know anything about a car and maybe learn some basic life skills of how to change a tire or how to check an oil. At the same time, help somebody's life in a little bit. Maybe just shine a, a slimmer of God into their life. And that's, that's all I'm really hoping for. It's actually quite selfish that I feel like they're receiving. I get to give to them. I get to love them and where they're at. And so God's just, laid that on our heart, my wife and myself, that we can do something maybe much bigger than ourselves and show people who Jesus is, just even if it's just a small segment of their life. I love Kim's heart for wanting to better Lincoln, to be able to use his gifts, to be able to impact people, to be able to impact them for eternity. <clears throat> And I think what he used there was, was the, the phrase, you know, what if the entire church, what if everybody were on mission in that way? That doesn't mean you guys all have to become mechanics. It doesn't mean that we all need 
um, people that are, are using their actual jobs as a skill. It can be all over the board. But what if? What if we were all engaged? Here at North Point, we want to be a church where every person is engaged, whether that's in the community or whether that's in the church. And so as we look at this, this fourth step, it's a simple one of saying, go, go do. But what I've realized is over the years, that go needs to be qualified with what we learned from Isaiah here, that he continually went back and he went to the temple. He saw his sin. He, was, he sought forgiveness. And then God spoke to him and, and pushed him out. And so today, as you guys are, are processing this and thinking about this, I mean, there might be the wheel spinning of saying, well, I'm one of the 60-some percent. I've done it. I'm one of the 60 percent. I'm, I'm serving. That's great. My encouragement to you is don't be like the pilot that now you're on autopilot. Now you're just, you're, you're just cruising through. I'm good to go. I've done it. Because I can't tell you how many people that I've met, they've served for eight, nine, ten years, and they say, you know what? I'm done. And it's like, well, okay, well hold up. You, 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 you're laying in the plane, but, but let's take off again. You know, let's, let's, let's do something else. And then you get, meet other people. They say, hey, this isn't the right one. So we recalibrate and we come back. What's God telling you? As you're seeking him, what are you learning? And if we can do that, I think that in lies the church that really is able to engage its community, really able to engage uh, the culture that we have around us here. Because as we continually seek him, as we continue to recenter, we can see where God has us. Um, Kim will be back at the spotlight booth, and you can, you can talk with him afterwards. Um, but what I'd like to look at is there's three applications to this, three steps to, to, this, to, to apply this today. The first one is, if you aren't in the Word it's really hard to know what God's saying. And this sounds really simple. We, we've told you almost every one of the steps has been some involvement of applying the word. But you've got to get into the word. You've got to read it often. You've got to read it daily. You've got to be in community with people, being able to say, hey, this is what I'm reading. This is what I'm learning. You know, one of the things I'm always convicted by is the amount of time that we're on social media compared to when we're in the Bible. And the amount of time that we'll scroll through and we'll read stuff and we'll start to apply what we, we read, but then how often are we actually in the Bible to compare it with, with what we know, what God is telling us? So the first step is, and these are going to be really simple, but is to get into the Word on a daily basis. Because then when the floor drops out like Isaiah, is the first thing you're doing is turning to the Bible or going to church, or is it you fill in the blank of what you normally do? The second one is to pray daily. You know, one of the things that, that our women's ministry has been able to do is they're going through this uh, prayer circle. And it's been amazing to see a literal circle on Tuesday that they'll put around all the chairs and, and what they're doing to cultivate a heart for, an understanding for, and an application of praying. But I think in our lives, if we were in communion with God on a daily basis, what we would hear from him, see from him, and be convicted by one of the things that, that, for me personally, this last year has been a journey of actually having a prayer journal and writing down the things that I want to pray for, the things that I want to see God move in, in, in the church, in the ministry, in my own life. And as I've been able to do that, it's been amazing to go back. And we've all heard it. If you just write it down, you'll be amazed to see what God does. But he does answer the prayers. And when you go back in the journal, you see time and time again where God has answered a prayer question. You realize, man, I'd totally forgotten about that one. And so... Just like Isaiah going back to it, if we go back to reading, if we go back to praying. And the last one is practice. And I, I choose that word strategically because I think for many of us, we say, you know, I'll, I'll engage. And I can't tell you how many people that I've met with that they try something two weeks out. It does not work. Like the whole children's thing was not their fit. 
my wife is telling me it's not their fit. They're telling me it's not their fit. And then they just kind of, I just don't see them. And we meet up again. They're like, well, I just thought that was, you know, kind of one and done. It just wasn't going to work. And it's like, well, maybe, maybe that listening to what God wanted to do in your life, we just missed it. So let's recalibrate. Let's try it one more time and let's do this. And then they find their, their perfect fit. But often we have a hard time identifying God's voice because it's just a, it's new to hearing what God wants us to do. We're really good with a lot of other voices in our life. But hearing God, it takes practice. So one of the things I'd encourage you guys is if, if you haven't or maybe at a previous church or a previous place, you tried and you're like, it just didn't work. It takes practice. It takes trying it out, honing that ability to hear God's voice. And the more you step out in faith, I think the more comfortable you'll be in hearing his voice. So I'd encourage you guys this week, get into the word, maybe start a prayer journal or start a daily time of praying and see what God does. And the last one is to go and practice. We do want you to be a church where 100% of our church is engaging. But if, if we only sit there and say, well, you know, I tried. What are we missing out on? What's our culture missing out on? Do you want to be the person that landed at the wrong airport and have the, I guess I'm at the wrong airport? None of us want to. None of us want to get 20 years down. None of us want to get five years down and realize, oops, wrong airport. And what I see as a church, as when I meet with people, most of us aren't. That's the really exciting thing about here, is there are people that give, there are people that give of their time, and it's amazing what's going on. But I would say from my experience with Isaiah's passage, it's a daily recentering that's going to get us to where we need to be. Just like that pilot said, I just missed a few things here and there during the flight. If I'd done all of them, yeah, I probably would have landed at the right airport. But all of us, we want to land at the right place. So let's go through, and just like we saw with Isaiah, and follow each one of those. And I think that we'll begin to be a church that is able to engage our community for Christ. Uh, I know at the beginning of the sermon, I was supposed to dismiss those who were getting baptized. So if, I, if, if you were involved in that, I, I apologize. I was getting the, the signs from Andy back there. As I preach, I forget a few of the, the details. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close in prayer here, and I would just encourage you guys this week, begin to consider what step of the four steps you are on and which ones you need to be nudged onto. If you're one of those 40% that's out there that hasn't engaged, I would just encourage you, what would it take to take that next step and see what God does, see what he's able to do through your life? Let me pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for uh, giving us the opportunity to take that next step. But Lord, I pray, just as the pilot realized he was in the wrong place, Lord, that for many of us, we have a plan, we have a purpose. But it takes daily centering ourselves in you and through you to make sure we get to the right place. And Lord, as we want to engage, we want to be involved, Lord, I pray that we are uh, on purpose. And I thank you for the fact that you forgive us, that you give us a purpose that you call us to a life of purpose, and I, I thank you so much for that.